0: I'm on Tom's board and Dennis is on Tom's board and they're on mine as well. But the thing is, is I didn't get an invitation to the couple's retreat. I didn't know how to take it. I'm that guy. Oh, no, don't ask him. So you're stuck with me. So. Anyway, if you need a Bible, we want to get one put in your hand. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and, and we'll get one in there real quick. Perfect. We got one honest guy here. Everybody else has one? I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. All right, guys. It's always wonderful to be here. And this is such a blessed place to be. And and you guys are in good hands with Pastor Tom. Wonderful worship team. The Lord's doing great things. And it's just a joy to be here uh, where God is moving and, and, and it's a hip hop happening kind of place. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, anyway, with all of that. And, and, you know, here's the thing. Uh, okay, I, I kind of brought this up last time. I'm going to go ahead and air my grievances. The, my, my, uh, what is it? <laughs> the festivus poll. Everybody got a festivus poll? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I got a lot of problems with you people. No, I don't. Uh, but, you know, Tom, when he taught for me last, he said that I didn't invite him to the conference I went to, but I did. But he did remember that uh, I was going skydiving and it wasn't my idea and it wasn't a midlife crisis. I'm 50, um, but I know that's a shock, isn't I? I look so young and vibrant, but uh but be that as it may, my son just graduated from high school. he is senior kind of trip he's like, "Dad, I really want to go skydive, and it 's like a bucket list thing for me and i 'm like but i 'll kick the bucket on this thing if if it doesn 't go well. Well it went okay, went great, we had a great time, uh, but we uh, uh, enjoyed the trip, and I had Tom teach for me, so I guess he had me teach for him, and i 'm glad to be here so let 's take our Bibles and turn in them to the book of first john today we 're going to look at. Verses 5 through 10 of the first chapter in a message that I have entitled Light and Life, Darkness and Deception. And so with that, let's take our hearts to the Lord. Father, once again, it's just such a, a, a blessing and a joy to be in your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that as we gather here, that you are moving in the midst of us. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, just give us ears to hear you. Hearts that want to respond appropriately to you. God, that we would be doers of your word, not hearers only. And Father, I just pray that anything of me, you would just take it and and uh, just burn it away like chaff. Lord, blow it away like chaff. And we pray, Lord, that only your word, that your heart, that your will and desire would permeate and penetrate our hearts today. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' holy name. And we say, Amen. David wrote in the eighth Psalm... When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? And what is the son of man that you visit him? He's saying, God, when I consider how vast the heavens are and I see the enormity and I see the complexity and I see the variety of all that you've created, the moon, the stars, the planets, the solar system, so much going on light years beyond our own. God, it staggers me. It's shocking, really. It stuns me to think that I would even enter some kind of equation in your mind and that beyond that, you would care for me. You would take interest in me. You would have concern for me. And yet, family, this is the wonder of the love of God. And not only that God thinks of you and takes interest and has concern for you, but that he wants to know you and be known by you. He wants you to have kind of our word for today is fellowship. Uh, he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants you to share. In his love and his grace and his mercy, his peace and his joy. And he's made it all available to you through the person of Jesus Christ who has loved you and given himself for you upon the cross. God, think it through, was made manifest. And John takes the time, if you read the entirety of the first chapter, in these first four verses, he takes the time to make clear that God was tangible. He was touchable. He says we Heard him repeatedly with our ears. We studied him carefully with our eyes. We handled him physically after he rose from the dead. And he says, we've seen and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was the word is manifested to us. And he said, I'm sharing this with you so that you might have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So let's look together. Let's turn our attention. Beginning in verse 5, we'll read our entire section of Scripture through. Come back and kind of pick it apart. John says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light And in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So verse five, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. Now, when John says this, essentially what he's doing is he's simply establishing this absolute uncompromising authority. You see, in the first four verses, he develops for the sake of our context, the truth of who Jesus is, that which was from the beginning. The word of life, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. He says, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus was not simply uh, an emanation from God, but in fact, he was the very incarnation of God. John says we were with him. Uh, We heard him repeatedly. We handled him physically after he rose from the dead, uh, he says, "You know we studied him carefully, and we heard what he had to say, and this is what he taught us, in other words, guys, this isn 't a second hand account this isn 't a once upon a time type." fairy tale. It's not a carefully crafted or contrived kind of story. It's not I heard it from a friend or even John's own opinion. He says this is God's personal revelation about himself through Jesus Christ. He says we heard it from him and we're declaring it to you. And at the risk of offense, I'm so glad that John cuts through all the riffraff. He eliminates the value of personal opinion. And he says, here's what God says about himself, because isn't that what's truly important? Guys, can I just say people like to postulate? Well, you know, I think God's like this. And uh, well, you know, I think God may be like that. And I just have to say it. It really doesn't matter what you think. And it really doesn't matter what I think. What really matters is what has God said and what is his message? And how is it that he would have us relate to him and with him? And John says, here's the message we've heard from him. You might underline it, take note of it, maybe highlight it, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Ladies and gentlemen, so much to unpack, to unwind, so much to think through in this single statement. First of all, John tells us something of the fundamental, intrinsic nature of God. And the Apostle John, more so than any other author in Scripture, uh, has revealed to us with such specificity, with a resounding kind of clarity, exactly who God is. In his gospel, in John's gospel, in the fourth chapter, in recording the words of Jesus, he writes, God is spirit. Uh, Now, that tells us something about God, doesn't it? It tells us that he's not flesh and blood, as you are and I am, but that he's spirit then he goes on to explain, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Guys, he's making it known that it's not outward ritual that connects you to God. It's inward relationship. We connect with him. We worship him in spirit and truth. Later on in this epistle, he'll write, God is love. Well, now, that's good to know, isn't it? That tells us something of who God is, of his character, of his intrinsic nature. And here he tells us something else. He says, God is light. And then he underscores it. He emphasizes it. He takes all the uh, uh, uncertainty or ambiguity out of it by restating it in the negative. He says, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, in the Greek, he kind of compounds negative on top of negative. He says, and darkness in him does not exist, not even one bit. John says, listen, God wants us to know that he himself is light and light by pure definition has no darkness in it at all. You see, if there's darkness, there's got to be an absence of light. And God is only light, no darkness at all. And we note that God's not a light. He simply is light. Well, it's no wonder then that the Bible has so much to say to believers and about believers and their relationship to light. The Apostle Peter tells us that when you were saved, God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, you're all sons of light. And in Ephesians 5, he says, for you were once darkness, that's who you were, but now in the Lord, notice, you are light. So walk or uh, move forward, establish your lives, order your lives as children of light. Now, I'll give you one more. It's in John chapter 3. Jesus said this, and this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. And does not come to the light. Lest his deeds should be exposed. Notice this. Keep this in your mind. But he who does the truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be clearly seen. That they have been done in God. So those who do evil. Those who love sin rather than the Savior, they don't love light. They won't come to light. Why? Because light is a revealer. Again, Ephesians 5, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. And Guys, this is one of the reasons why you'll discover almost categorically that those who are just walking in sin, and making a habitual practice of sin, living in unrepentant sin... Uh, they rarely, if ever, will spend consistent time in the Word of God. Why is that? <clears throat> well, because the Bible says your word is a lamp to my feet and a, what's, what is it? Come on, somebody, and it is a light to my path. It reveals the truth of what's happening in my heart, in my mind, in my life. And if I have no heart for repentance... Well, listen, uh, I don't want to be confronted with that. I just prefer to kind of be left in the dark on those things. Now, the problem of being left in the dark is that it doesn't alleviate the issue, does it? I mean, you may be blind to it. Others may not see it. Or you maybe think it's some sort of secret sin. But guys, God sees it all. And I'm going to get I know I'm overwhelming you with references today. This is important, guys. The book of Hebrews says this for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. Here it is. All things are naked. Notice the categoric statement. No thing is hidden from his sight. No creature, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we might give account. Is that what it says? Oh, no. No, no. Whom we must give account. You see, we might be blind to it. We might be uh, preferable to be left in the dark concerning it. But God sees it all. How so? God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. The psalmist said that like this. He said, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Ladies and gentlemen, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, this is where things could get a little bit touchy for you, but guys, I just have to say it. Uh, What this means is that if there is a, a problem in your relationship with God. Guess whose fault it is. It's not his God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It's not his fault. It's your fault, guys. There's no sin in him. He hasn't made the breach. He hasn't made the break. He hasn't walked away. You have. It reminded me of that old story. Guys, I'm sure you've all heard this before, but let me just for the sake, humor me here like you've never heard it. Uh, There they are, the the old uh, farmer and his wife and you know the old trucks now all the new trucks seem to have the bucket seats you know what i mean but the old trucks had like the bench seat it was just the one truck, and you know and you you and i guess this was before seat belts were you know law you had against the law to not wear one you guys know what i'm saying and you'd always see the the lady riding right next to her man and you know you see in the back window there and you see the two heads right close and and then uh and so there they are and then 10, 20 years go by and the, and the farmer's wife looks at him and goes, man, you remember when we used to ride so close together and the farmer looks at her and says, I haven't moved. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Riding down the road. Remember, we used to ride so close. I, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm right where I've always been. Well, this is the thing, guys. Uh, you, God hasn't abandoned you. You've abandoned God. You've created a distance between you and God. Well, perhaps you're thinking, well, I don't know. How have I abandoned him? Well, if you'd allow me to continue my bold, blunt course of communication through some sort of unrepentant sin in your life. It could be pride. It could be lust. It could be bitterness or unforgiveness. Uh, It could be gossip or slander. On and on the list could go. Malice, anger, filthy language. All, none of the above. Guys, I trust the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit to shine a light on it for you. But here's what the Bible says. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy, <clears throat> that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, notice, your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear every now and then, maybe you too, but I'll have some believer come, they'll confide in me, they'll say, Pastor, I just, I don't know, I feel like God's not even here. It's like I'm praying, but nothing's happening. I feel like God's not hearing me anymore, he's not responding to me anymore. And you know what I have to say? Maybe he's not. You see, it's not that his ear is heavy that it can't hear. It's not that his hand is short that it can't say. But our sin creates a divide. It creates a gap. It separates us. It makes a separation between him and ourselves so that he will not hear. You see, if there's a problem in our relationship with God, I just I'm I'm just going to continue to, to to kind of harp on this. I guess it's it's never on God's end. It's always on our end. And the way that relationship is restored is through repentance. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. But that reconnection, that restoration, that reconciliation, it comes through repentance. Light and darkness cannot coexist. There's no middle ground, no gray area where sin is concerned. Light is life. Light is growth. Darkness is sin. Darkness is death. Light is good. Remember Psalm 73? Remember Asaph? Truly, God is good. Surely, God is good. And God is only good. And Asaph, that's a good read. I'd encourage you to write it down. Read it later. Uh, Psalm 73. Asaph almost slipped. He says, man, as for me, I almost stumbled. I almost slipped. Because he started thinking about how you know here he was trying to serve God he's got this health crisis my flesh is failing my heart is failing <clears throat> he's just getting worse and worse and he's looking at all these people who don't love God and don't uh have any desire to live for God and man it seems like there's just they have no problems they got life on easy street i mean what gives he says until i went into the sanctuary of God and then i understood in other words i went back to church ladies and gentlemen don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together He says, I went back to church and then I understood. In other words, I regained the eternal perspective. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And in verse six, he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. (coughs) Excuse me. <clears throat> having the understanding of verse 5, verse 6, makes sense to us now, doesn't it? If God is only light, and we say we have fellowship with Him, but we walk or you know order our lives in darkness or in sin, right? These are, what do we call them, synonyms, euphemisms, however you say. Um, things contrary to His Word, which is light and truth. He says we lie. And we don't practice the truth. You say, wait a minute. Are you saying that someone can say or allude or even imply that uh, or maybe even convince themselves that things are all peachy between them and God? But in reality, things aren't right at all. Well, it's not what I said. (laughs) It is what the Bible says. John just has this way with words. You ever read through? I mean, he's just he doesn't pull punches. Um, you know, we refer to him as the apostle of love. and I get that he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's what is that? How does that work? You know, there's like going like what? Mike, he doesn't love me. What's, what? what you John? What are you talking about? But Jesus referred to John as a son of thunder. Remember, he was all like, Lord, you want us to call fire down on these people, man? We'll show him. He's like, well, you got to throttle back a little bit, John. That's not why I'm here. You've You've kind of missed the point here. But he just says, hey, listen. Uh, If you're saying this and you're doing that, you're a liar. If we're going to have fellowship with God who is light, we must walk in the light. Meaning we have to lead lives of obedience to the word of God. Guys, I want you to notice here in verse 6 that truth... By the way, words like truth and light, the word, they're all touching on the same thing. They got a little bit different angles. But truth isn't something that's simply known intellectually. It's something that is lived out morally. You need to make that connection. John says, if we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness now, this isn't the occasional lapse or, or stumble, but that leading that life of unrepentant sin. He says we lie and do not practice, that is, make a habit of doing the truth. Now, this is where I circle back to John chapter three in verse twenty one. But he who does the truth, <clears throat> excuse me, I got this tickle, does the truth, comes to the light that his deed may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You see, truth is never just intellectual. Remember, Jesus talked about the one who heard his sayings and did not do them and the one who heard them and then did them. And he made the distinction, the differentiation between them. It's always moral. Truth is never just intellectual. It is always moral. It does not just exercise the mind it impacts the whole of who we are. We're to be doers, right? And this is what James said, be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving ourselves Now, I should also say this, within our context here, John is speaking of fellowship, not sonship. Things that breach our sharing in the things of God. As believers, we are to safeguard our relationship with God. Because we drift naturally toward the flesh. We have to cultivate through discipline this life-led relationship. In the Spirit. The way that we do this is through abiding in Christ, rendering obedience to His Word, continuing in fellowship, uh, continuing in prayer, these kinds of things uh, in worship. Or another way to understand that, we're to walk in the light, we're to practice the truth. You do realize, yes, that you can be saved, yet out of harmony, no longer in fellowship with God. I mean, we just rehearse this. It's not that God's ear is heavy that he can't hear or his hand short that he can't save. Yeah, our sins create a divide, a separation. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. By the way, I want to circle back to verse 6 here. Something that I want you to notice. That John is not nearly as sophisticated as is the modern man. Uh, He thinks of simple things. He thinks in simple terms like truth or lie. You know, not, not this... Modern ideology of, well, what's true for you? You see, you got to speak your truth. What do you believe? That's your truth and all this. There's none of that nonsense. There's no shades of gray in the word of God concerning right or wrong, truth or lie. Something is either true, ladies and gentlemen, or it's a lie. Okay, and it's if it's true, it's only truth and it's truth for all. And if it's a lie, it's only a lie and it's a lie for all. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, meaning. If we're leading a life of general obedience to the word of God, you're not harboring known sin, you're not resisting conviction, uh, you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're not kicking against the goads, as it were, at a particular point, he says, then we have fellowship You that for me, sir. Thank you for that. <clears throat> he says we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, some interpret this. We have fellowship with one another. Uh, that John is saying that as believers, that you and me, if, if, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then you and, and, and me, we can have fellowship with one another. And, you know, that's certainly true. But if you just kind of stick to the context, he's speaking of fellowship with God. When we walk where he is. In the light, we'll have fellowship one with the other. And being in fellowship with God is to be in that place, he says, of continual cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, John is telling us here, guys, kind of a a point we need to pick up on is that even in our lives of obedience, uh, of abiding, of walking in the light. Even still, practicing truth and all, we're not perfect. How many of you realize you're not going to be when you see him, you'll be like him for then you'll see him as he is. But until then, guys. There's still going to be sins of omission, there's going to be sins of ignorance, even in, as you're walking in the light, there's going to be things taking place in your life that you're not cognizant of. Uh, but in that place of fellowship, there is continual cleansing by the blood of Jesus. It's not salvation. Okay. Uh, you've already been washed initially. Think back with me to the last supper, right? There he is, your Lord, my Lord. And he is, he's, uh, girding himself. He's taking the towel. He begins to, uh, plunge the towel into the basin, he begins to wash his disciples' feet. There he is, taking that place. We speak of it on the regular, right? The place of the lowest servant of the house. And there he is, and he's washing their feet, and he's trying to give them a lesson. It's like, as I have done for you, then you are to do it. You see how I've served you? you're to say. And he comes over to Peter, and he begins, and Peter says, uh-uh, it ain't happening, right? He says, Lord, you, this is this ain't going to happen. You're, ne- you're never going to wash my feet. And, and Jesus is like, well, Peter, I... Uh, I understand where you're coming from, but this is what you need to understand, that if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And then it's like he goes full tilt, Peter, the other direction, doesn't he? He swings it the other way and he says, well, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head and the whole of who I am. And Jesus is like, Peter, you got to slow your roll, man. you got to throttle back a little bit. You've already been washed. You've already. He says, listen, you're saved. The one who's bathed needs only to wash their feet to be completely clean. Now, we lose that a little bit in our culture today. But what he was saying essentially was, Peter, listen, it was very common. There you are. You're in ancient Israel. Uh, you're not living in a. Uh, a twelve hundred or a twenty four hundred or whatever square foot home you have. You didn't have the nice tile or wood floors or the the, the cool carpets or any of that. You had dirt on the floor and that was it. And uh, so uh, you take a bath and you're all clean. And then you hop out of the bath. You're drying off. You're walking over to your bed. And as you walk over to your bed, your feet are picking up dirt. And so you sit down on your bed and you grab the little basin. You wash your feet. Put your little tootsies in bed And you're completely clean, right? And that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, Peter, you've already been cleansed. I've washed you. But as you kind of walk through life, you're going to pick up some some dust and dirt, some grease and grime on your feet. And that needs to be dealt with as well on the regular. I need to be washing you. I need to be cleansing you of these things that kind of try to cling to you as you navigate life through the world. And that's kind of what John is, is communicating with us here. That as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. Guys, this word cleanses is in the present tense. Meaning it continually is cleansing us from all sin. A couple of secondary thoughts here. And this takes us back to what I was just saying. Number one, if I'm walking in the light and you're walking in the light, Not only will we be right with God, we should be right with one another. Would you agree with that, Joe? I mean, how can I be right with God and you be right with God, but we not be right with one another? I mean, I suppose it is plausible that there could be a grave misunderstanding of some kind. But as we were speaking earlier, even in a situation like that, it should be our heart. I want to be right with God. You want to be right with God. There should be an effort of restoration, of reconciliation. I think sometimes believers forget that uh, Paul said, for God has given us the ministry of Separation, isolation. Is that what he said? No, reconciliation of restoration. There should be a desire. We should be right with one another. And if you're right with God and I'm right with God, then we should be able to work things out with one another. Number two, we know that John wasn't speaking of sinless perfection by this phrase, walk in the light. You need to walk in the light as he is in the light. Or else there would be nothing to be continually being cleansed of. Does that make sense? If we walk in the light, as he, walk, as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleansing us of all sin in this place. And finally, I would have you notice that it's not ceremonial rites or religious activities that cleanse a man of sin. It is not the act of baptism. It is not the sacraments of communion. It it is not the uh, fellowship together. It's not acts of service. It's not putting money in the plate when it passes by or whatever the case may be. Listen to me. What can wash away my sin? Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we note that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. Guys, somebody, OK, you missed your cue. That was a great place for an amen or a hallelujah or glory to God. Right. I'm going to say it again. We're going to try that again. And we note that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. That's what I'm talking about. You know, sometimes people feel as though they've blown it so bad that they just, you know, they just can't be forgiven. You know, God could never forgive My unfaithfulness to my spouse or that abortion that I had or, you know, fill in the blank. Ladies and gentlemen, the only sin which cannot be forgiven is the sin that rejects the blood of Jesus Christ as payment in full. And guys, I want you to think of the audacity that it takes to say to God, God, I get it. I appreciate the effort. But my sin is greater than the cleansing power of the perfect sacrifice found in the shed blood of the spotless lamb of your son, Jesus Christ. Think about that. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we've not sinned, we make him a liar And his word is not in us. But we note that uh, walking in the light involves both consciousness of sin and confession of sin. And I like what John says in verse 8. He says here, if we say we have no sin, we deceive. Notice, does he say, (laughs) look, he says you deceive yourself, right? He said we deceive ourselves. Translation, you're not deceiving anyone else. Okay, I mean, you certainly aren't deceiving your spouse, are you? And you're not deceiving your children or your friends. Now, you've obviously deceived yourself. But if you're telling yourself that you've achieved sinless perfection this side of eternity, John says, listen, the truth is not in you. How so? Because anyone dealing in truth knows, guys, we sin all the time, be it an attitude, uh, be it an action, thought or word. Quick question, and I don't want a show of hands here because it'll, it will it might ruin your perfect run for today. How many of you, again, no show of hands, believe that you have perfectly glorified God all day so far? I mean, we're just, it's ten after twelve. I trust, and, and the, you know, I, I can't have you guys raise your hand because you're second service folks. All the sinners come to second service, you know. Those that are holy and up early that give God the first fruits, they're first service folks. You guys were up too late partying or something, and so you slept in. Now, if it makes you feel better, I'd be a second service kind of guy. Not because I'm partying or anything like that, but because, well, I just appreciate a good night's sleep. Be that as it may, you know, you feel in your heart you've rendered perfect praise, perfect worship, Perfect honor, perfect obedience. You woke up, your heart was beaming, you were radiant, bursting at the seams, just giving God glory, man, you know. Listen, God is worthy of being perfectly glorified continually, eternally. And if we fall short of that, come on now, if we fall short of his glory, guess what that's called? It's not a trick question. Top ten answers. Top one answer on the board Survey says it's sin. Ladies and gentlemen, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And I'm not saying we all make mistakes. Guys, can we leave this mentality, this diminishing, this, uh, how do you say, belittling uh, mentality of, of of we all make mistakes. I'm well. I'm only human. That kind of reasoning, guys. We got to leave that behind. We got to put that behind us. Listen, I'm a sinner. We got to call it for what it is. Jesus didn't come to call the well. We all make mistakes, crowd. You know, he didn't come to seek and to save the we're only human people. No, he came to call sinners to repentance. That's what I am. That's who I am. That's who you are. And if you need forgiveness, which you do, then you need to come to grips with that fact and confess your sins to God. Listen to Psalm 32. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity. I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Guys, he didn't say I acknowledge the fact that I'm only human. Uh, and and my you know shortcomings and my, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not per I'm only, you know, kind of a there's none of that skipping around, stuttering through the he said, look, sin, iniquity, transgression, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Proverbs twenty eight. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Guys, God's grace and mercy is extended to sinners. You understand this? Not the, well, uh, okay, here's an easy one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get all of you on this one. Quick show of hands. I want the hands. How many of you believe that you need God's grace and God's mercy? Come on, somebody. That's an every hand in the building kind of place. That's an easy... I like asking those questions because they're easy to get responses to. But God extends His grace, His mercy to sinners. Not the, well, nobody's perfect people. I was going to have you write it down, but because you're second service folks and you got a good night's sleep, we're going to take our Bibles and turn in. I'm going to give you one little extra bonus here, all right? Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 18. Alright, right, make your way over there. We're not too far from finished, folks. I appreciate your patience. Luke chapter 18. Give me an amen or something when you get there. Well, okay, great. Well, with that then, let's take and turn our attention to the ninth verse of Luke chapter 18. And this is Jesus. It says he, that is Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee and these were the religious elites, right? You guys know this. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners, I mean, guys, we, we laugh at this, but how many times you think, man, I'm glad I'm not like that guy out there, you know, I mean, he, that 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 drunk out there, uh, you know, that murderer, I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? We may not pray like that, but sometimes we say these things kind of within our own heart. Well, man, I'm glad I'm not this. I'm glad I'm not that he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like, uh, let's see where I lost my place, that, that I'm not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You know, I mean, you can kind of see his chest puffing out a little bit. And the tax collector, this would kind of be society's low man, uh, standing afar off, wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven. This was the posture of prayer, right? They would lift their eyes to the heavens. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me because I'm just I'm not perfect. Is that what he said? God, be merciful to me. I'm only human. Is that what he said? God, be merciful to me. A what? What is he? I tell you, Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. God gives grace to the sinner, right? Not the one who thinks he has no need because he's doing fine. He's righteous in and of himself. Now, when we talk about confessing our sin, uh, we're not saying that you need to Agonize over every possible thing that you may have done wrong. You know, we talked about this back in verse seven. But when the Holy Spirit shines a light upon sin in your life, guys, we have a responsibility before God to confess that sin. If we're to remain in fellowship with him, do you follow me with that? So then what does it mean to confess my sin? Well, the essential meaning is simply to to say the same thing as. In other words, it means I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to come on over to his side of the line and I'm going to look at my sin through the lens of his word. I'm going to see it as he sees it. I'm going to uh, call it from his perspective. God, you're right. What I've done is sin. You know, I have I have envied. I'm calling it out. I'm just going to lay it bare. I'm going to call it out and lay it in the light before you. It's not that I had too much to drink. God, I got drunk. I've sinned before you. I've partaken in that which placed your son upon the cross. God, I've refused to forgive. God, I've harbored bitterness. God, I've, you get the idea. You fill in the blank. You're not watering it down. You're not making excuses. You're not kind of trying to lighten the load. And Well, you know, God, I bet this and that and it's, I wouldn't have but this and the other thing. No, you're being real. You're being raw. You're humbling yourself in repentance before almighty God. And you're echoing the words of David. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And when we do this, we have the promise of God's word that God is faithful. He is faithful to the promise of his word and he's just. In other words, when it says faithful and just, what that means is God doesn't compromise his righteousness in forgiving us because his righteous wrath was satisfied at the cross of Jesus Christ. So he's faithful and he remains just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of. Oh, you beat me to the punch. I was going to say some. You're going to go, no. Most of it. Hmm. All of it, except that really one bad thing you did. No. All unrighteousness. Come on, somebody say amen. And we're, uh, Sean, we're going to we're going to begin to move toward a close here. Confession. Restores our relationship with God. It brings back, if you will, into the light, into fellowship with him. And let me also say this. First, John, chapter one, verse nine. It's often used evangelistically, right? I I do this all the time. Uh, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that's appropriate with regard to an application. Okay, that's fine to use this verse in this way. Uh, but it is not appropriate in regard to interpretation. This verse wasn't written to hearken unbelievers, to, to beckon unbelievers to come to Christ. It was written to believers that need restoration and reconciliation to re enter into that fellowship with God. That's so why we refer to first John 1 9 as like the Christian's bar of soap, you know. That that cleansing that comes with confession. Verse 10 if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Guys, I just all I want to point out here is the downward spiral. If you're a note taker or you're an underliner, you can go back and look at verse 6. There he says, we lie and do not practice the truth. Picks it up a little bit in verse 8. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And finally, it kind of uh, culminates here in verse 10. We make God a liar and his word is not in us. We're self-deceived, denying his word. Scriptures are clear, for all have sinned, that takes care of your past, and fall short presently, continually, of the glory of God. So let's not make God a liar. As Paul would say, let God be true and every man be a liar. Let's honor the truth and walk in the light as He is in the light, that we might have fellowship with one another. And that our lives might bring glory to his name. Amen. Let's bow our hearts. God, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, O oh God, that your word would abide in us, that we would abide in your word. And we're asking, Lord, as the psalmist would say, that you would search us, O oh God. That you would know us. And try our anxieties and Lord. See if there be any wicked way in us and lead us, O God, in the way everlasting. And may we walk in the light as you are in the light and be quick to confess our sin, God, as your light shines upon it and reveals it to our hearts. And God, be there something in our heart, in our life right now that you just want to shine the light on, Lord. We just want to take a moment and say, God, would you speak? Would you have your way? Reveal it to us, Lord, that we might confess it to you, that we might give it to you, that the restoration, that the reconciliation might take place. So, guys, I'm going to give just a minute here while. While Sean's playing, I just want you to remain in this this posture of. Kind of prayer and meditation. And would you be so brave as to say, God, is there. And I'm not asking asking you to make something up, to feel guilty about something that's not there. But if God would shine a light on something. Say, hey, you know what? And he kind of puts his finger on it. And you know what it is. He's probably tried to rap on the door of your heart about it before. And you've kind of been pushing it down and pushing it down. Would you let him shine light on it right here, right now? And maybe it's something you're hanging on to. Maybe it's something you haven't been able to give to him. Uh, The name of the author escapes me. But it was something that he was struggling with. He was hanging on to it. He knew God wanted it. He said, God, I just can't, I I, I can't just give it to you. But, oh God, if you would be willing, will you take it from me? Darkness conceals, tries to cover things up, make excuses. Brings death. Light reveals, exposes things for what they are, brings clarity, brings life. Guys, God is light. God is life. Remember the words in uh, to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter two. Everything looked great, man. Things were happening Their bulletin was fire. Their outreach was on point. Their worship was second to none. He said, man, you guys got it going on. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Think about that. He said, here's what I want from you. I want you to remember from where you've fallen. Repent. And repeat those first words. Come back. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. And you know what, guys? Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. I just want to give you a quick second as well. Say, man, here's here's pastor. He's talking to all these these Christians. Well, today is primarily a, a text that deals with where believers are at in their walk with God. But maybe you don't know God. Maybe the Lord's knocking on the door of your heart. Listen, I want you to know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe. in. I think that qualifies you qualifies me. We're all a whoever you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, guys, I appreciate your time. May the Lord bless you and be with you. May his Holy Spirit rest in power upon you. May his word take deep root in you and bring forth fruit that remains for the glory of his name. Father, we just say, have your way in our hearts and our lives and we'll give you praise.